During the season of Pentecost here at Kenilworth Union Church, we've been preaching this sermon series called Only the Lonely and looking at the multiple texts in Scripture which talk about God's desire to be very near to God's people, God's near presence at all times, including this passage from the Gospel according to John from Jesus' farewell discourse on Maundy Thursday the night before he died. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This advocate is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither receives that one nor knows that one. You know the advocate because that one abides with you, and the advocate will be with you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. I've said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> so let's start this sermon with a little pop quiz to test your theological IQ. Why do they call the church across the street the Church of the Holy Comforter. Discuss. Use the chat section if you think you know the answer. I mean, why would you name your church after a puffy blanket you throw across your sealy posturepedic on a cold winter night? Never heard of a church called Holy Comforter before I moved here, but it turns out it's a very common church name. There's a Church of the Holy Comforter in Atlanta, Charlotte, Fort Worth, New Orleans, Poughkeepsie, Richmond, Staten Island, Washington, D.C., Alabama, Colorado, Florida, Minnesota, South Carolina, and Virginia. Some of them are Lutheran, some of them are Catholic, but most of them are Episcopal. So you've got the right answer, yes? Holy Comforter is a synonym for Holy Spirit. Now, St. John is the only New Testament writer who uses this vocabulary, but it's his favorite name for the third person of the Trinity. Comforter is one translation of the essentially untranslatable Greek word paraclete. And paraclete's not untranslatable because it's opaque or inscrutable, but because the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, does so many things for so many people in so many ways at so many times that it's impossible to pin down the expansive meaning of this rich concept to a single English word. Paraclete is multivalent. Its meaning sprawls. Now this is apropos of almost nothing at all, but do you know what the name of the Yale Divinity soccer team is called? Yes, there is a seminary with a soccer team, and they have one of the greatest team names in the history of mascots. Can you guess? They are the Paracletes. If you're a theologian, you can say Paraclete, and if you're a soccer player, you can say Paracletes. 
paraclete comes from a Greek word which means to call alongside of. A paraclete is someone you call when you need a friend to stand next to you. The New Revised Standard Version translates paraclete as advocate, as in character witness or defense attorney. When you get arrested, you call an attorney to stand beside you under fierce accusation. Everyone gets a paraclete. Everyone gets an advocate. Even Timothy McVeigh, Bernie Madoff, Dylan Roof, Harvey Weinstein, and Lori Laughlin get legal counsel to advocate their cause. Now, most of us, thank God, know our Miranda rights not through personal experience, but through law and order on TV. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. So here's a fun fact. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes the Holy Spirit synonymous with legal counsel. You might be surprised by that. MIT has a web page called Lawyer Jokes. It is 15 pages long, single-spaced. I counted 78 lawyer jokes. None of them are kind. And I'm not going to share even one of them with you because they're not fair. Lawyers are paracletes. They're like the spirit of Jesus. But if you don't like those images, a puffy blanket or a defense lawyer, just remember that the concept of paraclete is multivalent. Other English translations of paraclete are encourager, consoler, or champion. Some English versions of the Bible have given up on translating paraclete and transliterate it instead. It comes straight from the Greek, paraclete. Human analogs for the divine paraclete are a guidance counselor at high school, a chaplain at the hospital, a therapist when midway the journey of life you find yourself lost in a dark wood alone, a sponsor at AA, a wise mentor at work, or a pastor at the graveside. Joe Forrest exercises the office of paraclete over and over and over again. We call her our senior executive associate pastor, but maybe we ought to call her our chief paraclete. One final stab at this untranslatable Greek word paraclete in Jesus. Let's go with Jesus' imagery, right? Now, as I said, Jesus delivers this little speech on the night before he died, on the first Maundy Thursday, in that upper room. He's worried about his friends, but because first he's going to die, then he's going to rise, and then he's going to leave until the last of all their days. But he's not leaving them alone. I will not leave you orphaned, says Jesus to his friends. Motherless children, fatherless children need a guardian to protect them. And so the paraclete is the orphan's guardian. The presence of Jesus when Jesus is absent. University of Chicago theologian Paul Tillich puts it like this. The Spirit of Christ is the power that helps us to strive towards the sublime against the profanity of the average day who allows us to conquer the sloth towards what we know is the aim of our life. This guardian paraclete helps us to strive against the profanity of the average day, to conquer the sloth towards what we know is the aim of our lives. And we can be paracletes one to another. 
We can help each other strive towards the sublime against the profanity of the average day to conquer the sloth towards what we know is the aim of our lives. Have you seen John Krasinski's SGN, his YouTube show, Some Good News? John Krasinski, who played Jim on The Office. Now, the best thing about SGN is that more than once, John Krasinski has convinced his fellow office castmates to gather in reunion on his YouTube show. And I was watching all these old office characters, Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute, Andy Bernard, Jim, Pam, Kevin, Phyllis, and I remembered my favorite office episode of all time. Now, as you remember, Michael Scott, the office manager, is an implausible loser. He gets everything wrong all the time. He is racist, misogynist, homophobic, and less self-aware than our erstwhile leader. But sometimes he ends up getting it right almost in spite of himself. Next time you watch The Office, notice how often Michael Scott is an accidental, lame, halt vehicle of God's grace. And so when Pam, the shy, plain receptionist at the office who aspires to be an artist, finally gets her long-awaited art show in Scranton, Pennsylvania, no one from the office shows up. Pam accidentally overhears gallery patrons scoffing at her mediocre art. And then, at the end of the evening, when everyone is going home and Pam is forlornly packing up her paintings, clueless office manager Michael Scott wanders in almost by accident and looks at an amateurish drawing of the Dunder Mifflin building. And Michael is awed by its excellence. Now, he knows next to nothing about art. He is as aesthetically clueless as he is socially inept. But this painting is about his world. He says, look, there's my window. Pam, is that your car? Is that my car? This is the Dunder Mifflin building. And it's printed on paper, which we sell. It's a masterpiece. How much do you want for this? And he buys it, and he hangs it on a wall in the office. And suddenly, Michael, the clueless manager, gives Pam, the shy, plain receptionist, the courage to conquer the sloth towards what she knows is the aim of her life, and she will continue to hammer away at her craft until she gets it right. That's what paracletes do. We need each other so much right now. We need to reach across the empty space between us, even if it's only virtually. A couple of weeks ago in The New Yorker, David Remnick wrote a moving piece about Katie Chaplin. Katie Chaplin is a 30-year-old ICU nurse at Lenox Hill Hospital on Manhattan's Upper East Side. She lives in Brooklyn in a studio apartment until recently with a roommate, but weeks ago the roommate fled to the relatively safer confines of New Jersey, and now Katie lives alone. Normally, Lenox Hill has four ICUs, but now the whole hospital is one giant critical care unit for COVID-19 patients. 
And David Remnick writes that Katie spends her 12-hour shifts in a blur of sickness, urgency, risk, and loss. Katie is wary of the platitudes about the heroic work of healthcare professionals. She says, this is what we're trained to do. This is what we do. We were doing this a year ago, and we'll be doing it a year from now. When she gets home to her studio apartment in Brooklyn after a 12-hour ship, Katie doesn't know what to do. Sometimes she just slides down the wall and cries. Nothing to do all by herself. She calls friends. She wanders the apartment. She shadow boxes with cans of chickpeas in each fist. Recently, Katie's parents drove in from Long Island to drop off Lucy, the family's French bulldog, for company. Katie says, it will be nice to have another heartbeat here. Just another heartbeat. And that's what Jesus promised his friends so long ago. And what Jesus promises us even today. Just another heartbeat. And so what if we thought of Christ's Holy Spirit, Jesus' paraclete, as the enduring connectivity between me and you? The energy that rockets across the empty space between us. The electricity that arcs from my fingertips to yours, the ether in which we live and move and have our being. What if we became for each other a band of brothers and sisters willing to die for each other, willing to live for each other? Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.